my life spans the 20th century. I uh, was born in Austria-Hungary, but was brought here, not kicking and screaming, at the age of two. So I have no European background, and certainly no American background. None of my ancestors came on the Mayflower or subsequent ships for about 200 years. Anyway, I feel very American, and a special kind of American, a New York American. <laughs> you've, just, you've just heard two of them, and I'm the third. They were chemists, and wonderful chemists, and, uh, but I couldn't stick it and discovered that part of chemistry, I really considered it that way, that I really liked was called physics, if I may quote myself. <laughs> well, I'll tell you a little bit about it. When I was a boy in New York, by the way, I'm New York all the way, elementary school, high school, University at Cornell is New York again, and Columbia, New York again. Well, when I was a boy, the word the 20th century had a marvelous resonance. The 20th Century Limited, that famous train from New York to Chicago and so on. Life was full of possibilities. Not that we were living well, the family was very poor, but somehow or other, there was a tremendous optimistic feeling in the air, although all around one, on the Lower East Side, you saw contradictions to it. But that I had, and my friends had, a wonderful feeling for the future. And uh, as a matter of fact, it has been a wonderful century for us. Up till about the time you all were born, You see, I realize I'm five times as old as the average here, at least five times, at 88. So I can really tell about the whole century. And that was really marvelous. This country was backward in science in 1900. And in 1927, when I got my doctor's degree at Columbia, and had a small fellowship, postdoctoral thing, and went to Europe. We were treated with great condescension. And correctly so. Because here was this great big country, this wealthy country, that has produced so little scientifically compared with its possibilities. And my friends and I, like Condor and Oppenheimer and others, felt very badly about this. And we decided that we would do something about it. Not entirely for patriotic reasons. We had our own careers and our own problems to solve. But we did. The Physical Review, which is the Journal of the American Physical Society, was published monthly. And at Göttingen in Germany, they waited until the end of the year to get the 12 issues at once to save postage. 
that was the status of American scientists in the eyes of Europeans. I'm glad to tell you that ten years later, it was the leading journal in the world. And this was made by my generation, plus or minus five years or so. So it had been a marvelous, a marvelous century. When the war came, the war against the Nazis, we had produced in between enough people that could man these laboratories distinguished people, capable people, who are now the leaders, and some of them retiring already, of American science. But somehow at the time you were born, which is about 15, 16, 17 years ago, there's been a certain change. No one could have been more astonished than I to discover that the Japanese were making better cars than we. And suddenly we looked around, and most of the radios and televisions were made in Japan. Things which were discovered here and made here. I could go on this way. So I have the feeling that your generation, that you have a problem to turn the thing around, to bring back the glories that this country had, It is true that American science is at a very high level. But if you go to the graduate schools, you find so many of the students were from abroad, and rather few Americans. I complained about their going into law and MBAs, but it's really true. I don't know how to change it. That's something for you to figure out. Because this is a great big country, and there are enormous numbers of people. Now look around here with about 400 bright, intelligent faces. Have great faith. I used to go every year to address the Westinghouse selectees, and they were marvelous young people. I never could find out how they learned as much as they did. I worried how to tell them something new. I rarely found something new that they didn't really know. And then you think, what happened to those marvelous people? I asked them what colleges they were going to. They went to a wide range, some very poor colleges. Somebody ought to have enough wisdom to get those people, not put them all in one place, but at least have two or three in the particular institutions that could talk to one another, to stimulate one another. We need something of that sort. We need more human thinking about the possibilities of human beings. Now, I hope it's done. I thought I would start this by giving you a responsibility, a responsibility which has been missed 
by the previous generation who were talking about the support of science. Actually, I think scientific illiteracy is greater now than it was 40 years ago. The general public understood the dangers of atomic weapons 40 years ago, more than they did now. A whole system of values has changed. I suppose being a school teacher, I blame it on schools. Now, you're not at the mercy of the schools. Those Westinghouse selectees knew a whole lot more than most of their teachers knew. How they found out, I don't know. So I have great faith in what you will do. And I would like to pause to answer questions. <laughs> With glasses on. Um, you've no doubt seen a large number of changes in um, the state of life through the course of the century. What do you think um, life will be like, say, when our generation is your age? Do you have any, any ideas on that? It could be wonderful. It could be terrible. <laughs> it's up to you. I can't imagine. I do hope you make it wonderful. <laughs> yes, sir. Do you think that the change towards um, doing research in the industries and private, private research from an academic research environment is going to affect the quality of the research and the applications uh, in the near and far future? I think the quality of the research depends very much on the education of the people doing the research. You can get all sorts of wonderful instruments and support and do quite meaningless research. You can have other circumstances where you have very little and do marvelous research. I can give you examples through history and time. It depends upon the nature of the culture, the questions people ask themselves, and what they want to know. Lady on the end. Um, yes, I have a, a question about the education system in America. Um, it seems, I'm from Massachusetts, and it seems that there at least, as a student progresses in his education, going from one grade level to the next, he has less and less time to actually just really think about problems or you know, just really think about issues. Um, it seems that so much busy work is assigned in the classrooms that a student ends up, quote unquote, learning by rote rather than by engaging in a thought process. Um, I was, and I think that, especially for scientific research, um, a very crucial element is free thinking and um, um, wondering about problems. I was wondering if you thought that this is a nationwide problem, this lack of time to really think, and if so, what, can, what changes can be made in the educational system to resolve it? Well, I, uh, I understand perfectly what you mean. My own experience has been different. One could learn by rote, but I didn't care to and could take the consequences. 
I didn't get the highest grades, but I enjoyed myself in learning what I did learn. So it's up to the individual, I think, how he wants to develop him or herself. What you're interested in. I had a, a student, brilliant, he got the Nobel Prize, June Schwinger. And he was a student at City College when I first found him. He spoke very well, and yet he was flunking English. And I asked, how did this happen? Well, he said, I have no time to hand in those themes in the English classes, so on. And at the same time, he was studying the higher branches of a quantum electrodynamics. Well, if he hadn't been helped in a way, there were people there who said, why is he different than anybody else? And we'll flaunt him, we'll do whatever is necessary to discipline him and turn him like into. But there are people around who noticed him and helped him out. And now, he was a great professor at Harvard, now a professor in California. So, I think one shouldn't respect those conventions too much, provided you are following your own bent and your own interest and respect what you're doing. It's Final. not a call for influence. Final question, please. As someone mentioned how Reagan influences research and science, and you also said that you've gone through the 20th century. I'd like to know how political shifts affect science, and I'd also like to know how your own politics and nationalism influences what you do. I wish I could answer that question. Most of my career was without governmental support. No one ever thought of getting any money from the government at Columbia University. We didn't have much money. We made do with what we had. People enjoyed working at it. One of my associates, Dr. Zacharias, was an assistant professor at Hunter College, a girls' school in New York, where he taught what is called, we would now call an unbelievable amount, 16 contact hours a week. And yet, he could put in 40 hours in my laboratory at Columbia. This is not for extra pay, just for the sheer pleasure of it. So, uh, I don't know, basically, how much government funding is concerned, except when you come to instruments, these gigantic accelerators, and other computers, other things that are used in the various fields which the progress of science had made necessary. How that can be supplied is another matter. I think a wise government, and ultimately I think we'll get one, <laughs> We'll see to it that these exceptional talents, and perhaps not so exceptional talents, are nurtured, cultivated, and given the means of support. And also, 
that there will be an intellectual climate that supports these things, that understands that science, which is man's highest achievement for understanding both the universe and himself, that it finds new modes of understanding, of logic, new terms of thinking, that that will be regarded as of prime importance. And I think it will come, after all. If you see a slump in the United States, you'll see a rise in another country. And the competition is enormous. And that may save us. Thank you.